Welcome to the Small War Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and today I am joined by a man who might be even more superstitious than I am, Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you doing today? Yes, Trevor. I, I'm i very superstitious. Very, very superstitious. I mean, Trevor, I'm at a point like if I'm watching a sporting event and I don't like the way that, that like the outcome of that sporting event, I will not – like I will make a mental note and I will not wear that the next time that team plays or whatever. So, for instance, like what I wore last weekend – during the Bengals game that ended in a total disaster, I will not be wearing that outfit today. I can promise you that. Um, I'm su- I'm very superstitious. I'm super superstitious. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just something like it's something something about it, man. I don't know. There's something about it. It just makes me it makes me think. Like I'm always thinking about how I can try not to jinx my favorite teams or anything like that. Um, but that's just me. I don't know. I, I know you're superstitious. I can promise you. If if Brandon was here, he, I don't think he's very superstitious. But it is what it is. Yeah, and and I remember we've talked about this before. Obviously, like for me with with the Patriots during, um, I th- I think I wait. I I, th- I don't think I'm superstitious as much during the regular season, but in the past uh, with the Patriots, oh, when it matters in the playoffs. In the playoffs, yeah. like I would, there were a couple yeah. years straight where I would wear like the same. I had these like navy blue Nike sweatpants. I would wear. I can I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember you wearing them. <laughs> and then my with, the, with a jersey with on my, top with my Brady jersey. Yeah, the blue. Oh, yeah. it was the it's the white one, right? The white jersey. Or no, is it the blue it's one? it's the navy blue. So it's all it's basically oh, all okay. navy blue that that I wear essentially. Um, now, Trevor, did did you wear that outfit for four straight years when the Patriots went to four straight Super Bowls? Um, uh, did I do it for four straight years? Probably not, to be honest. I probably didn't do it for four straight years. But I remember doing it because I, I wore it. I know I wore it for the Atlanta Super Bowl. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I wore it for the Eagles Super Bowl, too, uh, which we, we were both in college for those two. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I did it for those two. But And I remember also, I think I wore it when um, I came over, when the Ravens destroyed the Patriots back in 2019. I, oh. I oh, think yeah. I might have wore that it that, for that game, too, which that was a regular season game. Uh, but, that didn't work but, out uh, for you, though. That, that game did not work out well for the Patriots at all. It worked out much better for no. Brandon's Ravens. But speaking of Brandon, he, yes. he's not here today, um, um, which obviously, you know, we is unfortunate. But nevertheless, you know, we don't have to deal with uh, trying to dispute, you know, the bad takes that we get from Brandon. Right, Ben? Well, you know, Trevor, it's always it's always nice to uh, to drop some dead weight every once in a while. <laughs> um, yeah, just – I don't know, Trevor. It's just – it's it's nice to, to – to not have to deal with 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 Brandon and his antics at times, um, and his him saying completely inaccurate facts about me or something like that. So I will I will very much enjoy um, just us two not having to deal with Brandon. And I promise you, our listeners are going to feel the same exact way. Yeah. Right. And honestly, I know for a fact. Actually, I shouldn't say that, but I would imagine Brandon's probably not going to co- go back and listen to this. Um, so we can say whatever we want about him, Trevor, because he's probably not going to know anything that we're saying right now. Yeah, you know, if we were in a boat, it's like we'd be like – like there's a couple holes in it, and we're like taping up the holes, you know, so the water doesn't yeah, get in and sink, sink the boat, you know. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. Brennan's not here, um, and uh, Brennan, I, I don't think so, – so next week, I don't think we're going to record the podcast. You know, it's obviously the day after Christmas. I think we've decided we're probably not going to, you know, mm-hmm. take a week off, which we rarely do. I mean, we are – you know we're very consistent. We record essentially every single week. We are, man. Um, we're like the Brett Favre of podcasts, and we do, we just don't miss. We don't miss. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's always somebody's always always recording something on pretty much every Sunday. We don't. We usually do not miss, but I think next week we're going to miss. So this is the last uh, podcast that we're going to record of this year of 2021. I mean, it's you know it, as far as the sports goes. I mean, we've had a lot of uh, good moments. I think in this this sports year, you know, the NFL this season. I think in general has been really good. Um, obviously, you know, there's, you know, COVID's like becoming a thing again and stuff like that. But overall, 
uh, a lot of good things. Uh, and today we're going to get started with some college basketball. Um, I'm going to go through some of these results quickly, and then there is one game I want to discuss. Uh, a lot of a lot of craziness in college basketball this season. A lot of upsets. You know, like we talked about in the previous weeks, it's like it's December madness. You know, usually we, you know March is where the madness happens. It's it's been December madness in college basketball. Uh, the Memphis Tigers. Um, they were on a four-game losing streak, and they had to play Alabama on Tuesday, and they beat Alabama. This is an Alabama team who is ranked in the top 10, coming off of wins over Gonzaga and Houston, two very good teams, respectively. And Memphis, I mean, Memphis lost to teams that, that aren't good, frankly, on a four-game losing streak, and they come out here and they beat Alabama. Very surprising result. Uh, the final score of that one was 92-78, to uh, mostly led by the upperclassmen of Memphis. Um, Amani Bates actually only played five minutes in the second half of this game. So, you know, he, he's struggling a little bit again. Like we said before, he's a freshman, but he's not a normal freshman. He's still he, – I think he's still 17 years old. I think he turns 18 in January. So, That's insane. Um, insane, dude. Still 17 years old playing college basketball. Pretty crazy. Uh, the next game I wanted to mention, uh, Gonzaga, they beat Texas Tech 69-55. Um, you know, they had, they had their two losses early in the year, but starting to put the pieces back together again. I think when it's all – you know, once we get closer to the end of the season, I think Gonzaga, they're going to be right in the mix. They're going to be one of the top teams. Um, I'm, I'm really a big believer in Gonzaga um, because it's, it's hard not to be, frankly. Uh, another result, Kentucky destroyed North Carolina 98-69. to just completely demolished them. Um, I know some people, like some of the reporters and some of the North Carolina fans, were being very critical of their own team, saying, like, oh, we didn't fight very hard, we weren't very aggressive, kind of felt like, uh, maybe we gave up. And Kentucky really took full advantage of that and looked really good in this game. And then the last uh, quick one, uh, Creighton beat Villanova 79-59. Uh, that was the second loss in a row for a Villanova team who, at the beginning of the year, I really liked. I liked, you know, obviously you have Jay Wright, one of the best coaches in college basketball with, you know, a lot of the uh, veteran leadership that, that returned, like Colin Gillespie, like, you know, Jermaine Samuels, like Justin Moore, you know, and they have all these players, and now they've suffered two losses in a row, and the Creighton loss was the second one. The first one I wanted to talk about a little bit more in depth was their loss to Baylor. Now, Baylor beat them last Sunday. This is a little outdated at this point, but last Sunday after we recorded our last podcast, Baylor completely dominated Villanova. The score is 57-36. to 36. Um, It's not often you see teams scoring 36 points in a complete college basketball team, but that is what Villanova did. And Baylor, the reigning national champions, they're the number one team in the country. They're undefeated. And they seemingly, they, I mean, they definitely lost some key players, but it seems like they still have the same defense. I mean, they're they're relentless. They they really get up in the guards. They force turnovers, and they just don't give up open shots very often. You know, Villanova was having a hard time getting a good look uh, in general in this game. And Baylor, I I think you'd have to say that they're probably the best team in the country. I mean, they are ranked number one. There's some other good teams like Duke, like Gonzaga, like Kansas, um, etc. But I think you'd probably have to say that uh, Baylor is the number one team. I mean, what do you think about Baylor, Ben? I mean, they, they're the reigning national champions. They were awesome, wire to wire last year. And now they start off, they're undefeated, and you know they lost guys like Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, but they still have all this talent. They're looking really good. Yeah, no, they're scary, dude. They're real scary because, like you said, I mean, they're coming off, they're the reigning national champions, they're coming off, um, an amazing tournament last year, and obviously an amazing championship game last year. They look, they look just ridiculous. Um, and like you said, obviously they lost some pieces, but their defense looks just as elite as it was last year. 
Um, and they're finding different ways to win games. I mean, you win a game 57-36, that's an ugly game. Um, just, just looking at it, it's an ugly game. But to hold – first of all, to hold any Division One team to 36 points, impressive. To hold Villanova to 36 points, which, like you said, Jay Wright – Villanova, when I think of Villanova, I think of, like, shooting, jump shots, set pieces, just fantastic efficiency in terms of offensive field goals. If you kill Villanova to 36 points and they had 15 points at halftime in that game, that's insane. So this Baylor team is impressive, and they're finding different ways to win. They can win these ugly low-scoring games, 57-36. They can win a game where they score 70-80 points. They can win in a lot of different ways. Um and it's just super impressive to see what Scott Drew's done, not only like last year and this year, but just in his time at Baylor, um, taking the program that was garbage when he got there. And they're, I mean, they are a consistent, dominant team these last few years. Um, and obviously, they're in the Big 12, so they're going to be battle-tested. They are a team that, I promise you, not one single person is going to want to have to play in the NCAA tournament um, because they are a tough out, and they definitely have what it takes to win to win it all again this year. If, if they do, I would not be surprised one bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. You know, Baylor, they ha- they have, you know, the talent. They have, you know, different players that have came back, like Adam Flagler, like Matthew Meyer, who came off the bench last year. But you saw in short stretches, you know, did have a lot of talent, looked really good in some of those games. They have a freshman, Kendall Brown. Uh, they have a couple transfers, like like James Akinjo uh, from Georgetown. So, yeah, they, they have a lot of different pieces. Um and I don't know, it's it's hard for any team to repeat, and it's very rare that it ever happens, but Baylor has a shot to do it, you know? Um, but, you know, with that being said, uh, a couple other games, just wanted to mention, upcoming week, um, there aren't a lot of good college basketball games this week. It's, it's a little bit of a quiet period, you know? Um, obviously, you know, the week leading up to Christmas, the holiday season, but there are a few decent ones I wanted to mention. Uh, Xavier, uh, Ben Ben's bitter rival, the, the Xavier is going to be playing uh, Villanova, who Villanova, now with their two losses, I'm not even sure if they're going to be ranked uh, in Monday's poll, but nevertheless, this is a game I wanted to mention. We'll see if Villanova can bounce back. Uh, UConn, they're playing Marquette. That should be another good game. Uh, UConn has a lot of, you know, talented uh, players, a couple big men that are very talented for their team. And then Kentucky-Louisville, you know, the rivalry there. Um, You know, I think that's a game you just got to mention just alone because of that rivalry. So those are a couple good games. Um... But let's move on to some college football. Uh, this, you know, this, the semis, the college football playoff, it's about two weeks out from us. But we're not, again, we're not going to be recording next week. So we kind of have to talk about them. So I, I guess we'll start with the first game, Alabama against Cincinnati. Ben, uh, you know, what, what, what are some of your thoughts about this game? Uh, how do you think it's going to go down? Um, and, and how good of a chance do you think Cincy has to beat Alabama? Man, I... I have no idea what to think of this game. I really don't. I have no idea. I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, And obviously, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say Alabama is going to murder them. And the line, I mean, Alabama is a 13.5 point favorite. I mean, they're a two-score favorite. But I think the reason why I have a lot of questions and a a lot of people are going to have a lot of questions going into this game is because Cincinnati is just a big question mark. Yes, they're good. We know they're good. But are they Alabama good? Probably not. Um, But the great thing about this is it's one game. Alabama can have an off game, okay? It's one game. It's not like you're playing a best-of-seven series like you would see in in, in uh, you know in the NBA or something. All right, it's one game. Cincinnati has enough talent to catch Alabama on an off night and beat them. Now, the issue is, if Nick Saban's coaching your team, you're probably not going to have an off night, quote-unquote an off night, in the biggest game of your season up to this point. Um, so I think Cincinnati can win. However, like I said, 
I think that what determines that is how well Alabama plays. If Alabama doesn't play well and Cincinnati plays a great game, Cincinnati can win. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Alabama is going to win um, because I expect Alabama to play their best game of the season because they have some guy named Nick Saban as their head coach. And also, you know, no big deal. They have the Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young. Um, and they're just, they're just a better team. They have more talent. That's not a secret. Everybody knows that. So I expect Alabama to win this game. I don't know how close it's going to be. Cincinnati's the type of team, they like to play to their level of competition. They play some bad teams earlier this year. They play like crap. They, they, they get their stuff together in the second half. They win. If they're going to do a typical Cincinnati Bearcat football game like they've done all year where they struggle in the first half against Alabama, it's not going to go well. If they're down 20 points at halftime, the game's over. Um, yeah. But if they're able to hang with Alabama, and it's, it's the same thing. And, you know, anytime you have an inferior team playing a, a very strong team, if you can hang around just long enough to where you can strike at the end um, and you stay within striking distance and you can pull it out at the end, that's, I mean, that's the recipe to success. Cincinnati has to stay in this game. They cannot allow themselves to come out flat like they've done in so many games this year because it's, it's just Alabama's not the team that you can make this miraculous 15, 20-point comeback against in the fourth quarter. Um, so, again, I expect Alabama to win. I don't know how close it's going to be. I have no idea. It could be over at halftime. It could be over um, with five seconds left. I have no idea. Alabama's the better team. Nick Saban's, I mean, the, the, the best college football coach we've ever seen. I expect them to win, um, and I expect them to look like probably the best team in the country at this point. Yeah, so I think the easy thing, like, I think the easy route, if, if, you know, as far as just, like, having an opinion on this game, the easy route is to just go with, like, historically what has happened when, like, there's yes. these one-four matchups, Alabama against whoever, you know. Notre Dame. Yeah, it's over or, at halftime usually. You know, or whatever yeah. whatever team is, Michigan State, like whoever it is. Um, and when these go when they go against these teams, usually it's over at halftime. So it, the easy thing to be to say or predict is like, oh, Alabama's just gonna, you know, beat them by 20, 30 points, whatever. It's gonna it's mm-hmm. not really gonna be a close game. But this Alabama team, I don't think I mean, they haven't been as consistent as some of these past Alabama teams, you know. In the SEC championship, they almost lost to Auburn. And, I mean, you watched that game. You thought kind of they should have. Like, Auburn kind of blew it, right? So, like, Alabama's had, you know, they've had these games where they struggle. They they barely get by. You know, they only beat Arkansas by a touchdown. Um, You know, also they, they got by LSU in a close one. So, they've had these close calls. And I think there's there's at least a level of, like, uh, un, there's a little of, there's a little bit of a level of uncertainty I think with this Alabama team where there wasn't really that same uh, thought process with past Alabama teams so I, I think Alabama's going to win uh, like you said but is it going to be a blowout I, I not necessarily it might not be because maybe since he does get off to a good start in this game and then again like if they are hanging around like all it takes is a couple big plays like all it takes is Alabama making you know a bad play here or there, a couple mistakes, and then since he has a real shot, so I'm pretty excited for this game actually. You know, past one yeah. four matchups like in Alabama versus Michigan State, I, you know I haven't I didn't really care about a game like that for for example or Alabama Notre Dame. It's like I know it's going to be a 30 point game and it was you know, but this one I'm not as sure just because Alabama has been more inconsistent and Cincy, yes maybe they haven't you know. I mean, they did. They did beat Notre Dame, right? So they at least have played some good mm-hmm. teams, uh, for sure. So and yeah. they haven't lost, you know. So since he ha- has proven at least that they haven't lost, you know, they are a really solid team. And um, I-, I think there's just a sense of like for me, and obviously for you, I-, I definitely know this. This is the case, but for me, there's a sense of like wanting to root for Cincinnati because they're just like a team Absolutely. that's I don't know. They're they're a lovable underdog, I think. Um, so I'm gonna be rooting for Absolutely. Cincinnati. We'll see what they can do. 
Um, but that that's kind of it for that game. It could be a, a fun one, I think, um, potentially. But what about this next game? We got Michigan, Georgia. I think this one's going to be a, a really good game. What, what are you thinking about this one, Ben? Yeah, I think this is going to be a dogfight. Um, I I still like Georgia in this game. Um, and before that Alabama game, I, I was in the camp of, like, Georgia's not losing. There's nobody that's beating them. This team's amazing. After watching Alabama, one, it showed Alabama's better than I think a lot of people thought all year. But two, it, it's Georgia has some weaknesses. They're not a perfect team. They're not a perfect team. They're a really good team. They are. They're a great team. Um, but they are absolutely capable of losing this game. I mean, I think right here, right as of right now, it says they're an eight-point favorite. They're you know a touchdown favorite. I don't know, man. I I still like Georgia, and it's it's just hard for me to see Georgia losing two games in a row. I mean, the way they lost to Alabama, they did not look good. I would imagine they're going to come out and they're going to play pretty well. Um, but I want to give credit to Michigan. Michigan. I mean, the last two games we've seen with Michigan, they've looked fantastic. They looked amazing against Ohio State, uh, and then they did exactly what they were supposed to do against Iowa in the Big Ten championship, and they they rolled they rolled them. Um, so this is a tough game and, and I'm, I'm excited because both of these teams, I think from what we've seen with them, they have fantastic offensive defensive lines. I mean, Georgia's defense line has been talked about all season. Michigan's defense line has been talked about the last month or so. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to watch this game, the battle of the trenches in this game. Um, and it is so cliche to say that like, that's where the game's going to be won. But I actually do think that, that, that will be such an important part of this game is, is who can control the offensive line. Um, because we don't necessarily have these these star-studded offenses. I mean, right? We, we have two quarterbacks with Georgia and Michigan that are not necessarily these well-known Heisman favorite quarterbacks. Um, so what what's really going to come down to it is that those role players, quote-unquote, it's not basketball, but those role players, those players that don't get recognized as much on the offensive and defensive line. Um, and, I, again, I'm just excited. I, I think this is going to be a great game. I think, uh, you know, of these two playoff games, there's a reason why this one's at, at, in primetime at 730 that night because I think it will be the better game. Um, and I would not be surprised if Michigan wins this game at all. I guess I should say I'd be a little bit surprised, and I know if Brandon was on here, I, I don't know how Brandon feels about this game. I, I think he would probably pick Georgia to win. Yeah. But Michigan has a right to be here. From what we've seen, they have a right to be here. They absolutely deserve to be in this game, um, and I expect them to play while I expect it to be a close game. I do not think this game is going to be a blowout. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think, like, and you, you kind of said exactly, well, you kind of started to say exactly what I was going to say, and I was I was literally gonna say like this game's gonna be won in the trenches. I was like I was like neither of these quarterbacks. <laughs> well, I, mean, I feel like that's like <laughs> su- that's such like a that's such a everybody says that yeah, and like a yeah. lot of times I feel like that's not the case, but I do think that's the case here. I really do. I think it's the case because neither of these quarterbacks I'm sold on, Cade McNamara, uh, Stetson Bennett. I don't think either of them yeah, are like no way. all that great. You don't typically no, see not at quarterbacks all. that not are, an attractive quarterback matchup at all. Yeah. You don't typically see uh, mediocre quarterbacks like this in the college football playoff. Um but both yeah. of these teams have incredible defensive lines. Both of them have pretty good offensive lines. You know, they can both run the ball. Um, you know, Michigan's running game was has looked incredible the past couple weeks, um, unstoppable. So, like, now they're going up against what is the best defensive line in college football, right? I mean, e- I mean, it's either them or it's Michigan, I think. So, you know, this yeah, is the, the greatest defense, I guess, they've had to go up against, unless you're maybe arguing, well, in practice, actually, maybe they go up against a better defense. But... It's going to be a little bit tougher, you know, to get uh, the run game going, I think, for Michigan. Um, again, like, the, the easy way to go is to, to probably pick Georgia here. I think that's where I would lean, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Ultimately, like, we, we just agree. It seems like we agree um, across the board, yeah. I think, on these games. Um, so, yeah, Absolutely. it'll be interesting. And I'm, I'm sure uh, Brandon would probably pick Georgia. He, he'd probably pick Georgia to win by 20. 
to try to jinx it. That's how he works, man. To try to jinx it. He he keeps his expectations low. He likes to be realistic, and then when Michigan plays better than he expects, he's very happy about it. So, yeah, if he was here, I I think he would say Georgia's going to win by two touchdowns or something. But I don't think that's the case. I think it'll be close. I do. Yeah, I think it'll be close, too. Um, So that's kind of what we got for college football. Uh, Next up, no... No trivia, no trivia, no randomly ranked. We talked about potentially doing like one of these randomly ranks that Brandon doesn't do. Like Brandon he shuts us down every time. Yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't. Brandon doesn't like fruit. He doesn't really like to read. Although I don't, I don't really think you read it. You don't read a ton, do you, Brandon? I no, mean, but I could do it. If we did a randomly ranked about books, I could do you it. Could do so it. we're okay. we're just gonna say that that's Brandon's fault for not for not, us not doing. All right, it yeah, it's Brandon's fault. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna move on to the NBA here. Um, I'm gonna start off with a couple teams uh, in particular that I think have been really good recently, really standing out. The first one I got to go with is the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, have had, have been without John Morant now for about I think eight or nine games, and they've won. I don't I don't know if they're undefeated in that stretch. I think they've won all but maybe one of those. They are. I know that they are. Uh, they're they've won nine of their last ten. They've won five in a row, and they are currently sitting at the four seed in the Western Conference. They're nineteen and eleven. Um, you know, their their differential is plus two. 2.6 so you know definitely they're also fourth on that mark in the western conference as well and you know memphis they're a team that you know with the young core they have um i mean they have a lot of talent and i think memphis you know w- w- you know this year they're probably realistically i don't actually think they're probably a contender this year but looking forward you know f- three years five years ten years down the line I think Memphis could really be in the picture for a while. I mean, having John Morant as your franchise player, that's that's a great franchise player to have. I really think John Morant's going to be uh, going to make a ton of All Star teams. Um, I expect him to be a great player in this league for a long time. Then you have other young players like a Desmond Bain, like a Dylan Brooks, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. Like they just have so many uh, young players that if they can, you know, if they can stay together, because that's going to be the challenge, right? Like inevitably maybe one of these players will want more money and maybe they can't get it in memphis and then maybe that's where the challenge is right but like if they can all stick together i think this young core that they have with john morant kind of leading that charge i think memphis is going to be one of the best teams you know going forward uh you know five years ten years down the line so really wanted to point out memphis they've been a fun team to watch um a lot of excitement i think uh down there for for the fans in memphis they also really seem to like I don't know. They, they just seem to have great chemistry. They get along. And anytime you'll see, like, you know, like Desmond Bain hits a three here or someone else hits a three, like, on the bench, the teammates are cheering. Like, they're, like, really cheering on their teammates. They want them to succeed. And that type of camaraderie, that type of, like, just, like, team chemistry that they seem to have, I think has really helped them. Um, so Memphis, wanted to point them out. Uh, the other team, we're going to head over to the Eastern Conference. And I think there's some similarities uh with the cleveland cavaliers who we talked about you know maybe about a month ago or something like that and how they've had this great start and then we saw like evan mobley went down they had a couple injuries here um him being the biggest one obviously colin sexton seems to be out for the whole season right and yet the Cavs are actually third in the eastern conference they're nine 19 and 12 um they've won eight of their last 10 so similar to memphis they're in great form they've won six straight and they're uh Plus, I guess their plus-minus differential is 5.9. Um, so they average 107 points per game. They give up on average about 101 points per game, which is actually the best in the Eastern Conference. It's better than Brooklyn. Br- Brooklyn has a mark of 3.4. Uh, let's see, Miami has a mark of 3.4 as well. 
uh, the Cavs are number one as far as point differential in the Eastern Conference. I think overall it looks like they're fourth um, because Utah, Golden State, Phoenix are all are all ahead of them. But the fact that they are fourth in that mark is pretty insane. And I I, I have to admit I did not expect that the Cavs were going to be this good this year so far. No, no way. And you know before. And because I don't want to do anything to jinx this Cavs team, I'm not going to sit up here and say, like, oh, this Cavs team is, like, they're going to make the playoffs or whatever. I'm not going to say any of that. I don't want to jinx them. I'm just going to simply say that it is interesting that Mobley got hurt, right, and it seemed like, oh, you know, the Cavs had this great start, but now it's going to go downhill. But it's it's turned back around again, right? Like, like they had mm-hmm. the adversity, and now it's turned back around again. So I think that alone right there is a great sign uh, for the future of this Cavs team. We'll see, you know, if they can keep it up, what they continue to do. But, you know, having Darius Garland with Mobley, that's a great combination. You know, you have obviously Jared Allen. I mean, that defensive front court is incredible. Uh, you got a player like Ricky Rubio off the bench who obviously has an incredible ability to pass the ball, you know, and stuff like that. So the Cavs have been really good. Um, what, what, what are you thinking about the Cavs? I mean, you're not, you're not a Cavs fan, but the fact that the Cavs, they're a team that, you know, Normally, since since you know if LeBron's not there, basically they're irrelevant. You know the fans aren't interested. Like I know personally, living in the Cleveland area, no one really cares about the Cavs. Like right now, yeah. You know it's like they care about the Browns, and and yeah. that's and they care about Ohio State, I guess, or whatever college teams are interested in. But no one really cares about the Cavs. Seemingly, I think they should start. I really think if you're listening to this and you're a Cleveland sports fan, start caring about the Cavs. Um, but but what do you think, Ben? What do you think about how the Cavs have looked? Well, just to go off that, like, I you're, I think I'm start I'm starting to like notice there's more people that are that are starting to jump on this Cavs bandwagon, um, because like you said, I mean, once when the second LeBron left, I don't think anybody thought they'd be relevant for probably a while, if not ever. Um, so to see them the way they're playing, and even when the when the year started, I was I was on the you know the or the 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 train of, it's early, it's a long season, I'm not impressed, but kind of this. This la- these last couple weeks, I don't know. Now I'm, I'm at a point where, like, you got a 30-game sample size, roughly. That That's a pretty decent sample size. I mean, right? That's more than a, a third of the way through the year at this point. Yep. Um, through the regular season. Th- this is who they are. I don't think this is just a hot start. I mean, they've won six in a row. I think this is who they are. I think they're just a good team. Now, are they a great team? Eh, different story. But they're a good team. They are. They're a solid team. Um, I've been impressed. And, again, it's it's not expected. I I remember like a couple weeks ago, just having the thought like, are are the Cavs good? I think they're good. I think they are. They're a good team. So, again, it it's a long season, but I I think from what we've seen with them, I expect them to keep this up. I expect them to make the playoffs. You don't want to jinx them, Trevor, but I'm not a Cavs fan. I don't mind saying I think they'll make the playoffs. Um, I don't know what's what's gonna happen the rest of the year, but if they keep this up, they will absolutely make the playoffs, and they can definitely win win a series in the playoffs because they have talent. Um, it's it's been a rough couple of years for them, but they ha- they you know they they've developed some young talent. They have a lot of young talent, um, and they have what it takes to to definitely be a, a, a con- I don't want to say contender, but a decent team in this league. Um, and I again, I expect them to keep it up because from what I've seen with them, I don't think they're slowing it slowing down anytime soon unless you know we got another major injury or something like that. So I, I've been impressed. I have, and, and they they seem like they're one of those teams that it doesn't matter if you like them or not or hate them. They're they're fun to watch. They're a fun team to watch. They have some characters and the way they play. It's just fun basketball. It's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. Uh, a few other things I wanted to mention: uh, Steph Curry 
Uh, he, he now holds the three-point record. You know, got, got to mention that. He passed Ray Allen. Um, Ray Allen was there uh, at the Garden. He did it in the Garden, you know. Uh, with uh, So Ray Allen was there. Reggie Miller was there. It was just, you know, kind of a great celebration. Obviously, the Warriors yeah, won that game. Uh, so something to mention because that's another thing for Steph Curry. Obviously, you know, everyone's talking about Steph Curry right now, and, and rightfully so, um, with with what he's accomplished, how he's revolutionized the game with the three-pointer. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible. So um, I'm really excited to see how this Warriors team continues to progress uh, this year. Obviously, Clay now, now they're saying he's probably going to come back in like mid-January, it seems like, which kind of pushed back from originally it was like around Christmas, but now it seems like it's going to be more mid-January. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how the team kind of works together when Clay gets back. I'm excited to see that. Uh, we also have uh, Kyrie Irving. Seems like he, he's now supposed to return as a part-time player, although I think I, you know, I saw that he has entered the protocols, which is honestly yeah. pretty funny. Um, That's kind so, of expected, I feel like, right? <laughs> pretty, pretty, <laughs> like it just made sense. So, yeah, so I don't know um, what's going to happen there. Um, it's going to be interesting uh, to see kind of what happens there. But with that, with, with I guess to stay on the topic of Brooklyn, um, I, I kind of wanted to revisit like the MVP discussion because I think there's really four contenders. I think it's uh, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Giannis and Nikola Jokic. I think those are like the top four. I think, you know, most most people that, that, that are really watching NBA probably would agree on that. Um, and I think Kevin Durant has the edge right now. I think what he's done, obviously, with Kyrie not being there and with Harden not really being, you know, the same player this year, like it seems like Harden maybe has lost a little bit of the athleticism. I think he is like 31 now. And also he, he normally gets off to these slow starts anyway. Um, and the rule changes seem to affect him. I mean, he's one of the, the many players that have been really affected by some of these uh, the, the foul calls, the rule changes. Um, and, you know, he's been playing with, like, a lot of nobodies. Like, I, I sent you a screenshot yesterday uh, of a box score where, yeah. where the Brooklyn Nets yeah. beat the 76ers and just, like, wanted to point out, like, some of the players that Kevin Durant was playing with. Like, he was playing with, like, Dayron Sharp, um, who, who's out of North Carolina, but he's a, he's a rookie. Um, Langston Galloway, who they, they, they just, like, signed on a 10-day contract, I'm pretty sure. Who's like, mm-hmm. like a? I guess he's like kind of a veteran at this point. He's like thirty years old, um, but he, you know, he's never been known as like this amazing player. Uh, um, and just like I think the other one was uh, Kessler Edwards, who played at Pepperdine. But like I've never even seen Kessler Edwards play before. He's a super young player, so just like some of these players he's playing with, and still is able to elevate Brooklyn to victories. I think Katie has the edge right now. Um, but obviously, you know, cases can be made for the other guys as well. Steph. Uh, Giannis, um, Jokic. Although Denver is fourteen fourteen, um, if if you actually like kind of, or actually now they're fifteen fourteen. They won last night. Um, but if you look at like advanced stats, look at like the PER, um, kind of his numbers. Like it's he's he's like this. These are like historic numbers that Nikola Jokic is putting out. Um, and he really doesn't yeah. have a lot of help. I mean, Jamal Murray's out. Uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s out. So he's really not playing with a lot of help either. So pretty impressive what he's doing. Um, and then just to go over my small bo- small baller of the week. Uh, you know, back with that Cavs team, I'm going with Darius Garland. Um, just the consistent play. It's not like he's had like this amazing. He hasn't had like some insane like 45 point game or anything. But he's consistently like, you know, putting up you know 20, 25 here and there, high assist numbers. Just the consistency. Um, and his efficiency numbers are starting to increase as well. And the fact that the Cavs are on this winning streak, Darius Garland for me, that's small baller of the week. Um, a couple other guys, Kevin Durant, of course, you can mention with just his insane play. Uh, and then Andrew Wiggins, you know, he's been playing pretty well for the Warriors. Um, seems to have found a pretty good fit for himself um, there. 
in uh, Golden State. But I think that's it for the NBA. Um, so yeah, let's let's move on to the NFL. Obviously, you know I think the biggest story, arguably, well, I mean in my opinion, like the thing that was talked about all week was Urban Meyer and and Urban Meyer Absolutely. getting fired yeah. from the jet from the uh, Jaguars and all of these things that like came out about him with like Josh Lambeau talking about like saying that he kicked them in, in, in a practice or something. Uh, obviously I, in my opinion, like this was, this was long overdue. Like he, it was, this was always going to come. He was going to be fired at some point. It was just a matter of when. Uh, but I guess Ben, what, what do you think about, uh, you know, the urban Meyer ousting here? It's just weird, dude. It's just weird. And I don't think anybody expected him to like, to be the coach next year. Like, I don't think like, it, it's pretty clear. He doesn't want to be there. His players don't want him there. Clearly the ownership didn't like him. Um, but to see the way it went out, it's just weird, man. This whole yeah, this whole story with he, he was kicking his kicker and telling his kicker that he sucks, and it's just weird. And it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't know what he was thinking. Like, why do you think that's okay? You're the head coach of a, of a you're 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 coaching professionals. This is not these are not eighteen year old kids that you're coaching. When you're coaching college, it's a different story. You can tell a bunch of eighteen year old kids what to do, because um, you know you're you're smarter than them. You've been around longer than them. They're just kids. When you're talking about professional football players that are making millions of dollars that are, you know, some of them are 30, 35 years old, you just can't do stuff like that. It's it's not – I don't understand. Like, I mean, what am I? I'm a 24-year-old dude that's never coached a day in my life, and I know that you can't just – you can't treat professionals like that. So the stories of, you know, him coming out, of coming out of, of Jacksonville just all year, it seems like there's – it was always something with him. There was never, like – you know, it would be two weeks and then something else would happen. Maybe another week and then something else would happen. There was never – like, he just never – could put together a series of weeks where, like, he didn't do something stupid. Because um, even going back to preseason, right, you had the thing where he was getting on players for not trying in preseason games and stuff like that. And I just think he was in over his head. He obviously doesn't have any head coaching experience in the NFL. Um, and he just he tried to approach coaching a way that just wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work from the very start. Um, and I think what makes it even funnier, Trevor, is that of all places, of course it had to be in Jacksonville. Like, just the most – They've been pretty much irrelevant since the day they were they were they were uh, they were an expansion franchise. They've essentially had one good season where they got to the AFC Championship game. Um, so the fact that it was in Jacksonville just makes it that much better and that much more entertaining because those poor fans have already been through enough, and now they've had to put up with this garbage season with this he- with his head coach that had no idea what he was doing and couldn't get out of his own way. Um, it's kind of just like a perfect end to to just a completely imperfect season with Urban Meyer. Um, and obviously he will, I don't think he will ever have any desire to step foot, um, in an NFL facility again, college coaching, who knows in urban Meyer, he might take a year off and go coach somewhere in college. But, um, I would imagine that his NFL, his NFL coaching career is over and it's going to end as probably one of, if not the worst coaching careers we've ever seen in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, my main takeaway is just that, first of all, like I feel bad for the players, like, like Trevor Lawrence I do and too, other absolutely. rookies that. They come so they, in here. They deserve and, so much better than that. And just in general, I mean, their whole roster. And then also, like, the fans, like, the Jaguars having to deal with this, you know, <laughs> this yeah. thing. And and although, like, now there, I think there maybe there's a little bit of a sense of relief, even though I, I don't I don't necessarily know how the Jaguars are, are going to become relevant anytime soon. But at least there's a sense of relief of, like, uh, we got this guy out of there. Because it became clear, like, you know, you heard, like, some different reports that came out of, like, the players being glad. And even, like, some of the coaches that were essentially – I mean, this is the staff that Urban Meyer hired, but, like, even they kind of turned on him, it seemed like, near the end. Um, and I think that's pretty telling about 
uh, the way Urban Meyer was coaching, and honestly, maybe just like uh, the type of guy he is in general, the type of person he is. Which uh, um, I, I can tell you, uh, I am definitely not a not a fan of Urban Meyer in any sense. Um, after what what we've seen uh, this season, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll move on from there. Um, you know, just to go through some big takeaways um, of the past week, you know, stuff like that. Obviously, there's there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of you know, like the COVID stuff and players being out and the positive tests and stuff like games being pushed back. There's a ton of uncertainty, honestly, with, with this coming week, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to like have any kind of overreactions from this week. Cause I think there's going to be a lot of just like weird results, honestly. And we'll see who plays yeah. in these, like, like the Browns game. We'll see who even plays for them. We'll see who plays for like the Rams, like the Washington has like some issues. So, I don't know. We'll see. As far as the takeaways, um, I wanted to start actually with the game I just watched last night, the Colts-Patriots game, uh, because obviously this was a pretty big game for the Patriots and the Colts because, the I mean, the Colts are 7-6. They really needed this win, and they got it. Um, and, and my main thing with this game is, like, imagine if the Colts still had Andrew Luck. Like, they, they would have a complete team because, in a sense, they have a really good defense. You know, their defensive line – pretty much shut down the run for the Patriots. Now, they, the Patriots didn't have Damian Harris, but, like, nevertheless, I, even if they had Damian Harris, I don't think it would have been a, a huge difference. And then, you know, they have, like, these veteran, you know, talented linebackers. Like, you have, like, Darius Leonard and some of these other guys. This really good secondary. They forced two interceptions off of Mac Jones. Now, on the offensive end, uh, they have a really solid offensive line. You know, guys like Quentin Nelson leading the charge there. And then you have the best running back by far, in the NFL and Jonathan Taylor um, and, and maybe the receipt, I guess the receiving core, maybe that's a little bit of a weak point. You could argue, I guess for the Colts, but they really have this awesome roster and you know, Carson Wentz didn't have to do anything yesterday. Like they won the game 27, 17 Carson Wentz threw an interception. I think he only had like, I don't know, 60, 70 yards total, but the Colts still have this really good team around him and they're able to kind of, you know, for the most part, hide his, his flaws, you know, um, so the Colts are a really good team, um, but it's just the, the fact that they don't have that quarterback, you know, I that's that's my main hesitation. Like, I think the Colts are one of the best four teams in the AFC, but I can't put them number one. I, I don't think, I don't know if I could put them number two either because their quarterback's Carson Wentz, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was that game. I, I'm still, I'm not too down on the Patriots after this game, like, Mac Mac didn't play as well in the first half, but he did kind of rally a little bit in the second half. There was some good signs there. I'm not as concerned. This was a road game. Um, you know, I, I still there were still some good things I like to see, and just like weird mistakes, like the block punt. That was kind of a weird thing that won't, wouldn't happen too often. Uh, but that was, uh, I guess, that was that game. Uh, ben, what, what was your if you had to give like a biggest takeaway of the past week in the NFL? What, what would it be? Oh man, I mean, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot, and obviously, I think uh, the big one is like the the Chiefs. The Chiefs are really good. <laughs> the Chiefs are really good, and now like I think there's so many people that are looking back at what they said about the Chiefs in like September, and they were like, "I was so stupid," um, because yes, they struggled at the beginning of the year, but you know now that they've won like whatever it is, like seven games in a row or something. I mean that they're the Chiefs. Like they're exactly what people thought they were. The same. They're they're just as good as they've been the last couple years. Um, and obviously that game on Thursday that we just saw with, with the Chiefs and the Chargers, Travis Kelsey is insane. And I like to, I want, Trevor, I'm gonna, I just thought of this, and I think you, you, uh, you will appreciate this take here. I cannot stand the people that 
that are just already claiming Travis Kelsey is the greatest tight end of all time. Okay, yes, he's great. He's fantastic, okay? But I, I don't know, Trevor. Maybe you disagree with me. I do not think Travis Kelsey is the greatest tight end of all time because there is this guy named Rob Gronkowski that was pretty good. There's this guy named Tony Gonzalez that was pretty good. Um, and, yes, Travis Kelsey's amazing, and he's kind of kind of redefining the way a tight end looks because he's not as necessarily as strong as other tight ends, but he's faster than a lot of other tight ends. Um, and he fits so perfectly in that offense. But I'm not a huge fan, Trevor, of people just saying that that um, Travis Kelsey is, is the best tight end of all time. And, Trevor, I've seen a lot of people say that. I've seen literally quotes where they say, Travis Kelsey's not only like, he's the best tight end of all time, and it's not even close. Like he's they say that he's by far better than Rob Gronkowski. Trevor, how do you feel about that take? Um, well, saying it's not even close is is ridiculous. I you know it's just wrong. I guess it's wrong, right? There's so many takes across sports where people like to like overreact and they like to over exaggerate their point to make it seem like they're more like confident in what they believe. Like, oh, this player is better than this player, and it's not even close. It's like what, like those types of arguments. I, I don't really like. Um, but but as far as like Travis Kelsey potentially being the best tight end, I mean he he still I mean he's played what he's played eight years now. Uh, he's thirty two yeah, years he's, old. He's he's, a, he's been around. He's established. He's an established player. Yeah, he's an established player. He's really good. He's definitely up there. I mean he's he's definitely top five. He's probably I mean I think he's maybe top three by now. I don't know. I'd have to really go through and look. Uh, but to, I think I think it's too early. Basically is my point. I think he's been really good. I agree. Um, I think he's had a lot of signature games, a lot of, I mean, just the consistency now of the past, you know, four or five seasons, uh, he's been really good. Um, you know, you could argue maybe a down year this year compared to last year, at least, but last year was like an insane year for him. Um, so he still had a really good year. He's still the best tight end in the NFL, uh, currently, but to leap him above a guy like Rob Gronkowski, I, I just think it's too early. Like, like if he ends up, you know, having another good four years and, you know, good stretches and puts up some more crazy numbers. And if I actually think he's the best, then I'll say that, you know, in three, four years from now. I, I just think it's too early. So, and not to get on, not to get on a side tangent, but that's just something I, I've noticed the last couple of days. And you made a good point. Like, he's still playing, he's still playing at the top of his game. So that, I feel like that's, that's a conversation for, for later down the line. Like, he's playing so well right now. I don't want to worry about where he stands in terms of the greatest tight end of all time. I just want to watch him play. Um, Gronk is clearly not as good as he once was. He's on. He's, he's at the end of his career. So that's the type of player. Yeah, you can talk about his legacy. Might as well. But Travis Kelsey, I'm just going to enjoy him. Him. Him balling out right now, and I don't really want to think about where his where he stands in terms of tight end. Um, again, just something I, I was thinking about as I was talking about the Chiefs there, because like I said, Chiefs are really good. Their defense has stepped up. Their defense last year and even earlier this year uh, was the concern of that team. They've stepped up a lot. Um, I'm very impressed with their defense. Obviously, Andy Reid's a fantastic coach. The Chiefs are a scary team. Trevor, as a Patriots fan, I would imagine you probably don't want to see them no. um, because they are dangerous and they will absolutely be there, be there in the hunt at the end of the year for that for that AFC championship. Yeah, and and like I could go. I, I mean, I could we could sit here and talk about like the Kelsey Gronkowski thing. I could talk about that for an hour if if really wanted oh, to. Yeah. Like just comparing their different styles. Like like Kelsey is probably a like if we're talking about as a receiver, like catching the the ball overall. Like I think Kelsey is probably a little better to be honest with you. I think he, um, he's clo- I think he's closer to a receiver than Gronk is. Gronk's yeah, bigger yeah. and stronger. Like Gronk than, Gronk than is Kelsey. an amazing like Gronk's an amazing blocker like what he has meant what yeah. he meant all those years to the Patriots in terms of like the run blocking like he was such an immense part of that whereas Kelsey doesn't I mean Kelsey can do that but he's not he's not doing that as much he's not you know whereas Gronk is like more so like he he does the blocking and then he can also do the receiving 
Kelsey almost is a receiver. Like he's, yeah. you know, he's better at catching the ball, running routes than a lot of receivers. You know, so but yeah, we we, mm-hmm. we could talk about that all day. Um, not yeah, not not this could. day. Um, but yeah, I think the only other game I wanted to mention was that Rams Cards game last Monday. Again, it's it's been about a week, of course, but did want to mention it because, you know, I I've been thinking for weeks, and it's not like I'm watching every Rams game. But I've been like, man, people really starting to count the Rams, and I just was like, I don't, I don't really agree with that. I just, I, I think when it's all said and done, once we get to the playoffs, I think the Rams are going to be in the mix. I think they're going to be contender, and I could still see them being able to win the Super Bowl with the team they have with Stafford. Like he's had some, some down games here and there, and yes, they lost Robert Woods, um, but I, I still think they have a really good chance. You know. Having Cooper Cup, who I think at this stage probably has to be the best wide receiver in the NFL, at least I mean this season, right? He's playing like, like it, yeah. He's his, playing his like it. Numbers would support that too. You know the route running, yeah. the way he's just—I don't know—it's just beautiful watching, uh, like Stafford and Cooper Cup, like the routes and and just seeing like some of the throws that are made. It's it's just I don't know. It's beautiful to watch. Like like if I'm picking like teams that I want to watch you know besides like the bucks or the patriots like the rams are near the top of that list for sure just because you know watching their offense um in motion is just i think it's beautiful to watch and they beat the cardinals and you know the cardinals now they have like like hopkins is out right and he has this mcl thing and uh i I think i saw a report earlier that like maybe he could come back for like the nmc championship game which is kind of wild that he could maybe return that soon i i don't don't know what's going to happen there obviously without hopkins that's a big loss and I think that hurts Arizona for sure. Um, but, you know, th- they're still in the mix. I don't want to be too down on Arizona, but I, I got to admit, like, as much as I like Arizona, uh, there was still a part of me that was hesitant to put them in the same group with, like, the Rams and the Bucks and maybe even the mm-hmm. Packers. Like, I think they're probably the fourth best team of that group, if I'm, be- if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. Um, real quick, Trevor, just I want, I want to hear your thoughts on on this game tonight between the Bucks and the Saints. Again, if you're listening to this already, you, this game might have already been played. But just to wrap it up, I want to hear what are your thoughts, Trevor, going to this game? Obviously, I think the Bucks are the better team, and I mean they're they're a double digit favorite. But they struggle against the Saints. There, there's time. I mean, Saints have played well against the Bucks these last couple of years. Do you think the Saints have any chance of winning this game, Trevor? Um. Yes, I do think there's a chance. Um. <laughs> Because they're the Saints and they've they've historically yeah. caused so many issues for the Bucks. So like yes, I think there's a chance. Um, I if the Bucks lose, I would definitely be disappointed and I would be a little concerned because like uh, like they're probably I think J- Taysom Hill is going to be playing. Uh, I think and maybe yeah. I don't know I don't know what Simeon's status is. I don't know exactly what's going on there. Um, I, if Simeon's healthy, I'm not sure why he wouldn't play over Taysom Hill. Like Taysom Hill to me is someone who I'm not scared of at all. Like, if it, if it was still Jameis, like, I'd be more concerned because Jameis can, like, throw the deep ball, and he can really just, you know, at times look really good, actually. Um, but the fact that it's probably going to be Taysom Hill, I'm not as concerned. Um, yes, they still have Alvin Kamara, but, again, our, our the Bucks' run defense is, is one of the best. Um, so, essentially, the Saints are going to have to be able to put up points in order to beat the Bucks, in like yes, the Bucks secondary has continued to struggle. It struggled last week. It struggled essentially every week. But if it, if you're telling me Taysom Hill is the quarterback I have to worry about, I, yeah, I'm just I'm just not that worried. And I and I hate to say that because you know we're superstitious here on this podcast. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm really not that worried. Honestly, like like the route to victory is a messy game where Brady just doesn't play well, which could happen. Like the Saints force him into mistakes and errors sometimes. 
but like that's the way like there has to be like he has to throw a pick or two there has to be like a weird fumble or like a weird special teams play that's the path to victory for the saints because i don't think Taysom hill uh you know is capable even against a, a pretty flawed secondary of getting it done and again i just i wanted to hear some of your thoughts i and again, we are we are a very superstitious podcast. I, I but I do think that the Bucks are the better team. I, I expect them um, to look like the better team tonight. Um, and again, if you're listening to this, they might have already. Maybe they lost. Maybe they won. Um, but saying this now at, at almost one o'clock on Sunday, I expect them to win tonight. Um, Trevor, do you have any more thoughts before we wrap up this podcast? Anything else you want to say um, in terms of the NFL? I think that's about it. I mean, there's there's a couple other good games. Like you have the Bengals Broncos. Obviously, a big game for both teams. Big game for the Bengals. Uh, <sighs> yeah. You have Packers Ravens, another big one there. Um, I, ex- I expect the fully expect the Packers to win that one, um, but mm-hmm. but you never know. Like <laughs> no, no, the Packers are gonna win. But um, they they I don't know. Gonna I don't know how on a scale of one to ten, how shocked would you be if, if Baltimore won? Like we like well, like if Brandon was here, he'd be like no shot, no shot. The Ravens win. Well, now here's the thing: is Lamar is is Lamar playing or not? I think he's still a yeah, game time yeah, decision. Yeah. If right. Lamar doesn't play, they have absolutely no chance. If he plays, they may they might have like a. 30% chance of winning. I, I don't think they're going to win regardless. Yeah. Um, I just think the, the Packers are the better team. But if Lamar is playing, it's a different story. If he's not playing, there's no way this game's going to be close. That's just my opinion. Right. Um, yeah. But that's just me. Again, Trevor, can you believe we only have, there's only four more weeks left in the regular season. There's only four more weeks left in this regular season. This NFL season has flown by. Um, we're getting into crunch time. Teams need to start winning. Specifically, my Bengals need to start winning, Trevor. I'm getting a little nervous. Not going to lie. Yeah. But I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, again, Thank you guys so much for listening. I cannot believe we are we are, this is our last podcast of 2021. Another year in the books of this podcast. Um, we on behalf of Trevor, on behalf of Brendan, who obviously isn't here, we thank you very very much for for giving us giving us your time and your attention every single week. Um, and I, I I I say this all the time, but I can't believe that we're still doing this podcast. That we still get on here every Sunday and do this podcast and we just want to thank you guys for for giving us giving us your attention and the ability for us for for letting us talk to you every week and and give our our terrible takes at times um but like Trevor said we will not be we will not be recording next week so um next time you guys hear us it'll be a new year it'll be it'll be 2022 which I can't believe um so I we you know we we want to wish you guys all a a happy holiday season a happy new year um and we will see you all in January Go Falcons.